I'm actually really looking forward to this show. It's a good little card. You've got Conor Ben topping the bill against Sebastian Formella. You've got Fabio Wardley versus Richard Latte, a heavyweight fight on the undercard. Another heavyweight fight between Alan Babich and Tom Little. And two other fights between fighters who, I have to admit, I've never heard of. Liam Davis versus Sean Cairns. And Ben Rydens versus Jez Smith. No disrespect to any of those fighters or their fans. I've just personally never heard of them before. But I can talk about the fighters I do know and who I, I have heard of, excuse me. So let's start off with Alan Babbage versus Tom Little. In fact, let me go into Tom Little's box rec page. So the interesting thing here is that Tom Little has come in at his career lightest weight, 234.5 pounds. He has never been this light before. If you scroll down for his box rec, he has been in the 230s early on in his career, 239 a couple times, and his previous lightest weight was 238 against Dorian Darch. Now, wasn't very good form here. He lost to Dorian Darch and was actually dropped in the second round. And again, no disrespect to Dorian Darch, but he's not exactly a top-level fighter. So the reason this might be significant, or at least something to contemplate, is that Tom Little has been up in the 250s for most of his recent bouts over the past few years, in the 250s or the high 240s. So his body is used to a certain amount of calories, training on a certain amount of calories and fighting on a certain amount of calories. The fact he's come in so much lighter for this fight, at first glance, it seems like a good thing. But having boxed myself and having been through the process of shedding a lot of weight, I experienced weakness when I lost a lot of weight in a short amount of time. So for example, I've lost probably 30 pounds in the space of maybe eight or nine weeks before. And when I did it, I literally trained myself into the ground. So I was training almost every day. I was on a very strict diet. And after, I want to say, six or seven weeks, my performance in the gym started to dip so badly that I actually had to stop training altogether. Again, after about two months, I just had to stop training altogether because I was going in the gym and they only had about 15 minutes in me. Whereas four or five weeks earlier, I had two hours of solid training in me. And it took me, and I lost loads of weight, but it took me probably two or three weeks of just pure rest with no training and eating normally to actually get my energy levels back. So that's what can happen if you go on one of these, you know, extremely strict diets. And it's not like I wasn't eating anything. I was eating, I was eating chicken and salad and stuff like that. Not too much carbs and training extremely hard every day, if not seven days a week, at least five or six days a week. And many fighters go through this where they lose a load of weight and their body cannot cope with not only the, sometimes you get adrenal burnout, but also the lack of calories and just fatigue sets in. So when you look at Tom Little's weight, it's all about how he's lost the weight. Has he lost it in a short space of time whereby he's going to be weak or has he lost it 
over a more gradual period where his body can adjust to the new lower weight. His body can adjust to the much lower calorie intake. Because when your body does adjust, finally, to the lower calorie intake and you can maintain a lower weight, you will start to find that you are strong and you are quick, etc. at the new lighter weight. But it takes time. Now, some fighters, for whatever reason, you know, we're all different biologically. Some fighters can lose these enormous amounts of weight and still get in the ring on fight night and have loads of energy and strength. That's not the norm. Most people can't do that. I certainly couldn't do that. (laughs) You know, when I went on the crash diets and it wasn't really a crash diet, but it was a strict diet. It's not like I wasn't eating, eating anything. But the amount of training I did was so intense over a two month period that by the end of it, I just had nothing. I mean, a gust of wind could have blown me over. Tyson Fury is a good example, actually. When he lost all that weight, I mean, an even more extreme example, when he lost all that weight after his hiatus, came back and fought Deontay Wilder in his dad, John Fury's own words, he said Tyson was as weak as a kitten. And he really was. You could see it in there. The difference in strength between Fury in the first fight and the second fight is massive because Fury was weakened by, you know, losing all that weight, over 100 pounds in weight and the incredibly intense training that went into losing that weight and all the dieting left him totally depleted. (laughs) So it's a, a wonder that he was able to do as well as he did against Wilder in that first fight. And I could give you many other examples. Riddick Bowe is another example I've given in the past. Somebody who went on a crash diet, extremely serious and intense training for the Andrew Galotta rematch. And he just had nothing in the tank when he got in the ring. So could that be the case here with Tom Little? Again, looks good to weigh 234 pounds of career lightest. And it shows that he's taking the fight very seriously. Will he be diminished? Will he have the energy and the strength to be able to keep off the savage? So let's talk about the savage. He's weighed in at 213 pounds. And this is also interesting because this is 14 pounds heavier than he was for his last fight against now Kennedy. Now I've heard Babich in the past say that when he's heavy and 213 pounds, 220 pounds is heavy for him. The heaviest he's been in his career was 220 last year against this guy whose name I won't try to pronounce. But he has said in the past that when he's heavy, he feels sluggish and he doesn't feel as strong. So will that be the case here against Tom Little? And why has he come in at 213? I mean, perhaps Babich is just one of those guys who doesn't really watch his weight. He's not really interested in what he weighs or anything like that. He's just training, 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 eating normally. And whatever he weighs is what he weighs when he gets in the ring. A lot of heavyweights are like that, of course, because there's no weight limit at heavyweight. So, you know, I'm going to assume that it's not necessarily strategic. It's just, you know, Babbage not really caring about uh, what his weight is in particular. But will it make him a bit more sluggish? Because... I've talked about the possibility that Tom Little comes in weak. But what if he doesn't come in weak? What if at 200 and, what was he, 30, excuse me, it's there, 234 pounds, which in English money is 
is it 16 stone 10? Yeah, I think 16 stone 10, because 16 stone is 224. So he's 16 stone 10. What if he's not weak? What if he's really fast and sharp at that weight? And Babich is a bit sluggish at 213. I mean, his most impressive win to date, Babich, was the Shawndale Winters win because he managed to get Winters out of there much quicker than Joseph Parker did, for example. He weighed 205 pounds for that fight. So he was, you know, a good deal lighter then than he is now. How will this affect Alan Babich? And how do you guys see this fight going? I personally think it's interesting. Babich has looked impressive in the sense that he's got these wins, right? He's managed to beat the likes of Sean Del Winters, got now Kennedy out of there quickly. But his technique is so crude. And he's not particularly fast either, even though he's a small heavyweight. He swings very wide hooks and, you know, he cranks them up from the floor. <laughs> it all looks very deliberate and very rudimentary. So, you know, you, you'd imagine that it won't take a spectacular heavyweight to beat this guy. And Tom Little is certainly not a spectacular heavyweight, but he does have pretty fast hands, Tom Little. And, you know, if he's in any kind of shape here, and when I say shape, he's obviously light, but I'm talking about if he has the strength. If he hasn't lost too much weight too quickly and left himself weakened, then maybe we could see Alan Babbage tested and pushed here. So let me know what you guys think in the comments below. I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. So the other heavyweight fight on the card, Fabio Wardley versus Richard Latte. To me, this is a more straightforward one. There's not really too many questions as far as I'm concerned in this fight. Richard Latte is strong and he's game and he's definitely going to give it a go because he's fighting for opportunities right now. Um, he's weighed in very heavy here, Richard Latte. I saw him at the, at the uh, weigh-in, you know, I saw the weigh-in videos and he looked in great condition, but 258 pounds, he wasn't this heavy against uh, Daniel Dubois. Okay, he was 256 against Gorman and 241 against Dubois. So he was significantly lighter against Daniel Dubois than he is right now against Wardley. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. I guess it depends on, uh, you know, how he's put the weight on. But I'm expecting Fabio Wardley to outbox Richard Latte comprehensively. Uh, I don't know if Wardley has any stamina issues. I mean, the way he boxes, you know, he's quite relaxed and he's got a fluid style, you wouldn't imagine, and, and he's nat natural, you know, it's not like he's pumped himself up with loads of weights because that can tire you. He, ha he, he has a natural kind of physique and he's relaxed, likes to move around, he's quite fluid. Therefore, I'm going to assume that his stamina is fairly good. And he weighed in at 230 pounds, which is, mm, you know, it's about average for him. He weighs from the mid 220s up until the low 230s or yeah, low 230s. What's his heaviest weight so far? 238. That was the fight before Valili. That's quite heavy for him. But 230 for this fight, I'm expecting him to outpoint Latte. Latte's strong game can punch a bit, but pretty crude, relatively predictable. Although he does have a few tricks up his sleeve, he can get a bit erratic. 
but generally speaking, uh, a relatively predictable and rudimentary fighter. And I think Fabio Wardley should be able to stay out of trouble and box his way to a 10-round decision. Possibly, possibly get Lati out of there late. Although I think a decision is probably more likely. And he needs the rounds. It'll be good for him to go out there uh, and actually go 10 rounds for the first time. Now, I was mistaken in assuming in a previous video I did about Fabio Wardley that he had an amateur career because apparently he didn't. Apparently he only had some white collar fights, which is better than nothing, obviously, but he didn't have any kind of extensive, well, didn't have any amateur background at all, just some white collar fights. And for those of you who don't know what white collar fights are, maybe you're from the United States, white collar is basically like unlicensed boxing. So yeah, that's Fabio Wardley's background. He's learning on the job. And I think this is a good step up for him against Richard Latte. So moving on to the main event, we got Conor Ben versus Sebastian Formella. I think this is a really interesting fight. Formella managed to go the distance with Sean Porter. So he's obviously no slouch. His only loss was to Sean Porter. If we head on over to Formella's box rec page, he's from Germany. <laughs> Smiley face and a Tintin haircut. It's all good. Waterweight Orthodox, 33 years of age. Last fight was against Sean Porter. Went the 12 round distance. Didn't actually see the fight. He lost a lopsided decision. But nonetheless, if you're going 12 rounds with Sean Porter, that's an indication that you're not a complete mug. You must be able to look after yourself to some degree if you're able to go the distance with somebody like him who swarms all over you, applies a lot of pressure, throws an awful lot of punches, etc. Prior to that, is there anybody here whose name I recognize on his record? Not really. Talani Mbenge. I do know him actually. Um, but other than Talani Mbenge, I don't know any of these guys. And all of these fights happened in Germany. So yeah, he's going up against Conor Ben. Now, Conor Ben did an interview after the weigh-in. And the Sky team, Adam Smith and Dave Coldwell, literally, well, they didn't read my mind because they were around watching boxing and obviously working in the industry, uh, in media and stuff like that at the time. Well, no, Dave Coldwell himself was a professional fighter, but Adam Smith was, was working for Sky and what have you uh, back in the days. So they saw Nigel Ben, Connor's dad, when he was fighting. And when I saw the interview with Conor Ben immediately after the weigh-in, I just saw Nigel Ben. It's the eyes. He has his dad's eyes. He has the, the intensity in his eyes and the emotion in his eyes and, and almost an animal, animalistic kind of look in his eyes that his dad had. The way he talks, his mannerisms and all that kind of stuff, so reminiscent of his dad. And so when I saw the sky team talking about it they were saying the exact same things that I was thinking you know that he's he's so reminiscent of his dad in terms of his demeanor his eyes the kind of stuff he says his mannerisms however so far in his career he hasn't shown the talent that his dad has he, he, he may have the will he may have the spirit and the heart and the fire the raw aggression that his dad had but does he have the talent 
the jury's still out as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't look like it at the moment, but perhaps he'll, you know, show that in the future. He's still just 24 years of age, 16 and 11 KOs. He's had, you know, he's had, a, a, I guess, a, a decent career so far, but he's had a lot of frills and spills. He's been down, he's been hurt, he's had some tough fights. Uh, that French guy, Cedric Paino, who he fought twice, they were real good learning fights. I mean, the first fight was a wild, wild fight. <laughs> that was one of my one of my favorite fights, you know, in, in terms of uh, it's only a six-rounder. One of my favorite six-rounders of all time, truth be told. <laughs> in terms of fights that have been scheduled for six rounds, you won't see many better than Conor Ben versus Cedric Paino. So, yeah, he's had a, a colorful career so far. Let's just put it that way. And he's going to need to be mature in this fight. He'll need his fire, of course, but there also needs to be maturity because he's going up against the guy who has mixed it at world level. Conor Ben's never even come close to mixing it at world level so far. So let's see. And, And you know what? These fights which are happening behind closed doors, they benefit some fighters more than others. Okay. Other fighters actually suffer because they feed off the crowd. With Conor Ben, he might actually benefit from there being no crowd because he's the kind of crowd-pleasing type of fighter who thrives off emotion. And the emotion of the crowd can spill over and influence his decision-making in the ring, usually for the worse. So... It may be a good thing that he's fighting behind closed doors for this one. Maybe it will allow him to stay a bit more calm and cool and measured. But at the same time, if he is as similar to his dad in terms of mentality as he he appears to be, the crowd and the pressure can actually help him. Okay, because his dad, Nigel, used to say, that he thrived off fear. That when he wasn't afraid of an opponent, he usually didn't perform to his best. He needed the fear. He, he, he said that he needed an opponent who could put the fear of God in him, that level of fear, and that made him rise to uh, the best of his ability. And you did see that with Nigel in a, a lot of fights. When he was WBC super middleweight champion, for example, he had a lot of kind of mundane performances. They were not particularly uh, inspired. But when he fought Gerald McClellan, you know, because he was on a run as WBC super middleweight champion, you know, had a few fights where he was like, yeah, you know, kind of routine performances that we didn't look that amazing. Then he fought Gerald McClellan and he just took it up to a next level because he was afraid of McClellan. He was like a cornered animal. (laughs) you know, against McClellan. You saw him in the dressing room warming up for the McClellan fight and it was in his eyes, you know, Nigel Ben's eyes. And you see that same thing with his son, Connor. But uh, yeah, let's see if the lack of a crowd actually helps Connor Ben or hinders him. Personally, I think it will probably help him. I don't think he's reached the stage yet where he's going to have listless performances because of lack of fear. I don't think he's reached that stage quite yet, although it may be coming in the not too distant future. 
But anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about this show. Are you looking forward to it like me? Connor Ben top of the bill. And on the undercard, you've got Fabio Wardley and the Savage squaring off in fairly interesting heavyweight fights. Also Liam Davis versus Sean Cairns and Ben Riddins versus Jess Smith. Let me know what you guys think about this in the comments. If you'd like to access all my boxing content advert free and enjoy the convenience of listening via a podcast app with the option to download in high quality MP3, then consider joining me on Patreon. In addition to the aforementioned perks, you'll also gain access to exclusive weekly live stream Q&A sessions and hangouts, as well as uncensored, no holds barred uploads, which are too blue for YouTube. This includes my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. Just head on over to my Patreon page and select the tier called Hatman Boxing Extra. There's no contract, there's no commitment, it's only £2.50 a month and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of hardcore boxing enthusiasts by signing up with me here on Patreon today.